Thank you for joining me. This is an interview I've been looking forward to for some hour. It is my own pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, Dr. Jack Graham, Pastor Graham of Prestonwood Baptist Church, 47,000 members, an individual that has written more than a dozen books, uh, honorary chairman of the National Day of Prayer, served as well as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, it's been a while since we've had you in studio, and it's just great to see you. My pleasure, and uh, always good to see you. Thank you for serving our church so well and teaching uh, a great class for our congregation. And uh, so good to be with you. As mentioned, a few people from my class yeah. are watching the interview yeah, we've here got the today. congregation uh, gathering yes. outside here. Again, let's, if we can, uh, mention, as I have been, that this book is entitled Reignite. It's been out about two months. And the forward by Sheila Walsh, who's been in studio with us as well, Fresh Focus for an Enduring Faith. We have information about it. You, no doubt, can find it in your local bookstore. But if you'd like to get a copy, of course, you can get it in hardback and Kindle. We have a link there. Also, a link to, of course, Prestonwood and to PowerPoint. So we're going to talk about all of that. Uh, but if not Nothing else, I think this is going to be something, uh, Pastor Graham, that uh, will be helpful to listeners who maybe after this last year of the pandemic and lockdown, dealing with anxiety, dealing with addiction, dealing with depression, or maybe they've struggled with uh, unexpected medical diagnosis. And as I've said off air, might as well say it on air, in some respects, you're a fellow traveler. So you've been through some of this, haven't you? Yeah, Tracks of a Fellow Struggler. Maybe uh, that's an old book title from somewhere in my head, but uh, yes. And um, I, I spend quite a bit of time at the outset of this book talking about my particular journey with suffering and, and pain and the emotional struggle that ensued. And again, part of that has to do with uh, a cancer diagnosis, right. as well as just uh, the thing, you know, you and I probably all think we're kind of bulletproof, and um, we'll get surgery, and I'll be back the next day, and everything will be fine, mm-hmm. and it didn't quite turn out that way. Yeah. And in some respects, whether you've been through what you've been through, or all the other things that people are struggling with, we spend time talking with Sheila Walsh about things like a depression. We've talked uh, with Michael Perrin, who you actually have put on your church staff about addiction and this has just been a tough year and so in some respects writing this book during this tough year also i think re-invites uh, a little bit of what we need to do in terms of finding the scriptures and finding our place with who god has called us to be exactly and really when i started out writing this book last year it, it I, I had no intention of really making it about um, my particular personal crisis i've, I've been open about this story yes. in the pulpit and in other places around but not to the extent that I opened up my heart in this. Uh, I was really wanting to write about uh, fresh focus for enduring faith, which mm-hmm. is the subtitle, right. and really is the is is the thrust of the book. I, I wanted, I really wanted to tell my story. Now that I'm a, I, you might say I'm a veteran believer. I've been walking with the Lord a long time now since I was a child, and I'm uh, 70 years of age right now. So I've been walking with the Lord. It keeps getting better, by the way. Uh, so I wanted to, really the book was going to be about my particular journey, what I, how I view the Christian life and, and the basics and the essentials and, and how to endure in your faith and how after all these years, you know, we're still walking with the Lord and, and those things. That's what, and, and a lot of this book is about that, frankly. But when COVID hit, I'll forever call this my COVID-19 book, uh, the, it tilted, uh, my testimony in one sense that, I wanted to tell the story of my experience with anxiety and depression in the summer and fall of 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been 12 years ago. 
And uh, the bottom line is I was diagnosed that spring of 09 with uh, prostate cancer, came up in a regular physical. I'm really grateful, and all you men out there, Mm -hmm. uh, especially over 40, or if you have a um, family history of prostate cancer, you need to be getting that uh, checked, your PSA. So it just really showed up in uh, PSA, and after several attempts uh, to find it, they found it after several years, actually, and it was there. So my intent was, uh, like everything I've done in my life, was to get and get out and uh, do it quick. I had no real, I, mean, I had normal natural concerns, but prostate cancer, if you catch it early, is uh, is easy to. Uh, it's one of the easier cancers to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm, I was going in thinking we'll go, get in, get out, and uh, it'll be done. And another thing that that happened, I talk about in the book, because I didn't want to alarm the church, because I didn't think it was going to be a big deal, um, I didn't want to alarm the church that, oh, the pastor has cancer, uh, we made the decision just to go go silent. We ghosted it, if you will, and Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't, other than a small group, no one knew, and I had prayer warriors, but looking back on it, it's one of my biggest regrets, because when I ended up having a big struggle I wished I had all along the prayer support of the thousands of people in our church and just that support. But, you know, I can't uh, relive that. I can only learn from that. It's so very important when you have an issue that you open up. And that's one of the reasons that I wrote this book, because in the church, so often in churches, people are silent and churches are silent in regard to mental health issues. So what happened is I went in, got the surgery done, and I'm back in the pulpit in 11 days. I, mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel great, but I, was, I felt good enough to get up there. And the next thing I know, I feel myself spiraling down. I start losing sleep. Um, I get a, uh, a pathology report that said, uh, sure maybe, got it all. You, maybe we didn't get it all. Yes. And then I started imagining powerful. cancer crawling all over my body. And the next thing you know, I'm not sleeping. And the next thing you know, I'm facing fears that I'd never known before and is in, in for the battle of my life. And uh, so uh, gratefully, I had some time off due with the church. I took a couple of months off. But even then, you know, it took me six months to a year to really get through this thing. And, and here's... Here's the thing, Kirby, and all who are listening. There are many people who live with chronic mental health issues, and and I don't, you know, I don't put my situation up against theirs in any way. But I got enough taste of it to know how difficult it is and how dangerous it can be, and and how I dealt with it. And the scripture says, uh, God comforts us; He's the God of all comfort. And with the comfort that we are comforted, we comfort others. Yes. So I I then wrote the story. Uh, in the book so that in that I was comforted, I want to help others. And if people need to know that no one is immune from these kinds of things. When you are under duress or stress or pressure or anxiety, the result, the Bible says, anxiety pr- produces depression. Yes. And we're so gonna, there you go. Yeah, we're going to take a break, and then we'll come back, and we're going to be positive now because we're going to talk about a section on fundamentals of our faith, and then the middle part, which I just love, the swaps that support uh, reignition, you know, doubt for faith and discontentment for gratitude and exchanging distress for peace and all those, and then finally results of going with God. But before we're done, that might also talk about some of the things you've done, one of which, of course, we've 
talked about before when we had Michael Perrin here, and that is let's have the church be a place where we can talk about these issues of mental health and as well all the other ministries that you've developed over the years. So let's take a break, and if you would like to join the conversation today, feel free to give us a call, but if not, you might want to sit back and take some notes. It is a book that has been out for a couple months now, Bethany House, about 200 pages, and uh, 11 chapters, 3 sections. We're going to cover it pretty quickly, but again, find yourself saying... I'd like to know more about the book. I'd like to know more about Jack Graham. I'd like to know more about Prestonwood Baptist Church. I'd like to know more about PowerPoint. We have all the links on our website, pointofview.net. So we'll be back right after these important messages. You're listening to Point of View. Your listener-supported source for truth. Back once again talking about the book Reignite, a fresh focus for an enduring faith, and again, a forward by Sheila Walsh, and endorsements by just kind of a who's who of all sorts of people over the years we've had a chance to interview as well. I think you will certainly benefit from the book. About 200 pages, Bethany House, you should be able to find it in your local bookstore. But the first section, again, Dr. Jack Graham, is Fundamentals of Our Faith. Truth that never turns. You know, when you're in the midst of a crisis, you need to say, what do I hold on to? And obviously, we want to hold on to God's Word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a phrase in in the book. uh, It says something like, darkness begging for light. And, you know, when you're in uh, a tough stretch, whether it's emotional, physical, or otherwise, and uh, I was for that year, I'm grateful to say uh, here I am 12 years later, cancer-free, and grateful for God's healing but along the way, uh, I had God needed to teach me some things. Uh, frankly, I I wasn't prepared for uh, some of the things that I experienced, and um, the sleeplessness, the uh, feeling like a dead man walking, uh, losing my not my courage but my confidence. I never lost faith in the midst of this. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you that. Uh, but you know, I lost feeling. And, and that's kind of the dullness, and, and I just kept thinking, why can't I get going again? Why can't I keep get myself going again? I was in the pulpit. I was crawling up there. So the truth uh, portion is very important to me mm-hmm. because many, many times it was it was simply the naked word of God that was bred to me. I couldn't eat. I didn't want to eat. Except God's word, and one of the, one of the things that you have in depression, if you've ever experienced it, is uh, a lack. Of, you, know, you can't concentrate as well. So I had to really focus. And many days I was just, you know, reading my Bible and trying to concentrate. Some of the great scriptures that I'd memorized, I could meditate on. That's why it's really good that you memorize scripture. So when you need them, really need them, they're they're in your heart and your mind. So the, the 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 darkness was begging for the light, and uh, God's word is the light. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, and it's it's the truth. Because what happens is so often mental illness, whether you're talking about anxiety, depression, loneliness, any of these things, addictions, uh, this this stuff lies to you, and Satan uses it to lie to you. Yes, you do. Or you lie to that. yourself, and so you have to back your life up with truth and exchange. Uh, the lies that you tell yourself or the lies that, you know, 
you know, I, I know early on I was going to the internet trying to figure out how, what my chances were of survival. Not a good idea, by the way. I don't think for most people to, you know, be chasing the internet on your on your physical condition. Just talk to your doctor. But anyway, I mean, just all those things and 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 the fear that breaks, uh, you know, breaks your spirit. And so I just was sustained and strengthened by God's word, and I felt myself getting stronger every day. And so it's true. The Word of God is uh, our, our our present help, our our powerful strength in every situation of life. And again, you have a section here, and I might just mention for pastors that may want to use this book, uh, our only reliable rescue rope. Uh, read God's Word, of course, meditate on God's Word, uh, pray about to God's Word, and pray over that and proclaim God's Word. And so there's some really powerful issues. You yeah, that gets a, to the that gets ahead. to the part. You know, as I was saying earlier. You know, what, what, Jack Graham, what would you say are the essentials uh, and the fundamentals of, of living a Christian life over the long haul? Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as, as it's been put, um, you know, a long obedience in the same direction. Yes. Uh, how, do, how do you keep going? And sometimes we hit these, you know, huge pileups. But just even day to day, how do you keep going? And so that, that, that portion there on God's word, I mean, I have lived my life to proclaim God's word, to share the gospel, and, you know, to help people. And, and to know that when you're in a situation where, you know, everything you've been preaching, you needed all of God's promises, when you're so weak, you cannot stand that God's word truly is uh, light uh, in the darkness. You know, there are a lot of naive Christians, and I may have been into that category, thinking, well, if you're a Christian, you'll never be depressed. Yeah. And early on, I had somebody come into my life and say, well, then, I guess David was out of the will of God, because yeah. look at his Psalms, and yeah. look at the laments that you have in the Old Testament, look at the struggles that the disciples had, and in some respects... Yeah, Paul, have... Paul said, I despaired even of life yes. on one occasion. Mm-hmm. And you got three Old Testament heroes. Moses was so depressed, he wanted to die. Right. He was stressed and depressed. And then... Uh, Jonah, after experiencing a great revival in Nineveh, he's angry and pouting, and he prays to die. And then uh, Elijah, after Mount Carmel, and he's chased away by Jezebel, and he's prays to die in the desert. And yes, uh, the reason that so many people go to the Psalms in in rough times, in desert places in their lives, is because the psalmist is so open, mm-hmm. and and his heart cry is there, and his desire to, you know, and he's so honest to God. And so, you know, I often, I tell you, turned to the Psalms in those days and found great comfort. And, and Jesus himself, you know, he bore all of our sorrows and our griefs and he was so distressed in the garden that he was sweating drops of blood right. and it was a finite time. But in that finite time, you know, he was bearing our sins and as well, our sufferings, he carried our griefs and our sorrows. Talking with Pastor Jack Graham, and again, if you would like to know more about him, it's on our website, pointofview.net. Talked about truth that never turns. I thought we'd at least focus on prayer that never fails. There's a difficulty, because if you have anxiety or depression, I think all of us have at one time or another, the last thing you want to do is pray. And so sometimes you have to do it out of obedience, because you don't feel like doing it. Is that mm-hmm. fair? Yeah, it is. And, and and I did want to say something about what something you said earlier as well. In the church... I mean, I was the same way, Kirby. Years ago, if you'd have walked up to me and said, Pastor, you know, pray for me, I'm, I'm, I'm depressed, 
I might not have said it, but I might have been thinking, well, snap out of it, Kirby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're a Christian. You've got the Bible. You can pray. You can go, you know, and, and yes, you pray. Yes, you read your Bible, but it's, it's not automatic. The healing, uh, because depression, anxiety, some of these things truly are more than a spiritual problem. It's a brain issue. And, and now we know more about it than we've ever known. But frankly, years ago, if you were depressed, the last people you'd want to know about it were your church friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lest they think you were weak or some sin in your life or something going on. And I don't minimize, I'm not minimizing at all spiritual depression and the things that can, you know, be healed instantaneously. But this is an illness and it needs to be treated and, uh, and, and we spiritually, we do treat it. Uh, differently as Christians than the secular world, but the fact is, uh, you know, we in the church need to embrace uh, the mental health needs of the culture and the people in our churches that are struggling. As a pastor now for all these years, I've seen it, and now I've, I've had a taste of it. Just, again, uh, many people go through li- a lifetime. Oh, Charles sure. Spurgeon, the great preacher oh, sure. of Britain, good example, battled yes. depression. It's Churchill. Lincoln, mm-hmm. uh, some of the greatest intellects and leaders of all time, and yes. uh, it, it may even be connected somehow to the way God wired these individuals. But nevertheless, uh, prayer is uh, the route, if you will, to healing. Uh, and when you don't know how to pray, thank God, and I talk about this, in Romans 8 we're told we have the Holy Spirit as our prayer partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, it says w- he prays with us and for us with groanings that we can't, when we don't know how to pray or what to say, when all we can say, sometimes the best prayer is just help, you know, help God. And he is an ever-present help in times of trouble. But prayer, the great value in prayer when you're sick is just to lean in and lean on God and dependence upon him and obedience to him because he did say pray and commanded us to pray. It's not an option. So we pray and obey and trust God through it all. And and prayer is is it is it is faith turned inside out. Mm-hmm. We need to take a break, but when we come back, let's get into another aspect of what Jesus loves. And that gets us into the church itself. And uh, again, let me pay another compliment to you because you felt the need to have the church really address some of these issues of life and mental illness. And we've even talked about this idea of the River Conference that was done at your church. Mm-hmm. And you quote from uh, Dr. Tim Clinton in here and a number of that might be helpful for some pastors and church leaders as well to recognize there's nothing wrong with addressing the issues of mental health and also spending some time talking about uh, the spiritual issues as well. That uh, particular section there, loving what Jesus loves and the importance of the church, is something we've already talked about. But if you find yourself uh, wanting to know a little bit more about uh, Pastor Jack Graham, you can click on the picture there, and that will take you to, of course, his uh, website, also to jackgram.org, so you can find everything you want right there, and also of course, you can click on the picture of the book itself in case you have not had a chance to find it in your local bookstore. We encourage you to buy it in the bookstore, but if you can't, it is available there as well. It's been out for some time, and I think you're going to find it to be very helpful because as we recognize, everyone struggles. Guess what? Even pastors sometimes struggle with some of these issues, and so we certainly need God's Word. We need prayer, but we also need the church. We'll talk about that as well as some of the exchanges that we need to make, all that coming up right after these important messages. And now, here again, 
is Kirby Anderson. Privileged to have in studio with us today, Pastor Jack Graham, who, of course, is the pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church. And if you would like to know more about him, we have a link to his website. We have information about the book. And most importantly, we encourage you to kind of sit back and take some notes and apply that. And one of the other things, Pastor Graham, is the whole role of the church. As you pointed out just a minute ago, maybe should have had the church more involved, but sometimes there have been times, as you've said in the past, where if you had a family issue, a psychological or mental issue, you didn't want to bring it up. Mm-hmm. And so the four-letter word that uh, people use all the time is, I'm fine, I'm just fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to take the masks off and recognize that everyone is broken and the church should be there to help, shouldn't it? Yeah, the church should be uh, as uh, a hospital for sinners uh, and saints. And there's that ministry side of the church that we are called uh, to encourage one another, uh, to comfort one another to strengthen one another and so that ministry is uh, so very important it's one reason we a couple of years ago uh, began in earnest uh, what we're calling life recovery Mm -hmm. we were doing a lot of these things already whether it was grief recovery marriage restoration Uh, we've had for a long time a pregnancy center where we're saving babies and ministering at that level hurting people who are facing a crisis so we've been doing a lot of different things But we really brought it together and focused and uh, brought a man by the name of Michael Perrin, who has interviewed on this show a number of times, who has great experience and wisdom from God and God's word on this. And and so we're just seeing an incredible response. And really, we hosted a national conference with Tim Clinton, uh, who is a great uh, biblical counselor and leader in this field. So uh, we're we're all in as a church, and and we believe God is using this because it's also a great field for evangelism. Many of the people that are broken and hurting, of course, don't have a personal relationship with Christ, and right. their, their greatest need is salvation in Christ. No, nothing's ever going to get fixed uh, in their in their head till things get right in their hearts, and that's what Christ does for us. So it's a great uh, tool that uh, God has given us for evangelism in our generation. One of the things you talk about is the priorities of the church, and there is maybe a good checklist because it's preaching, it's teaching, it's learning the Mm -hmm. Word of God, praying together, singing worship songs. By the way, I might just say such great music coming out of Mm -hmm. uh, Prestonwood these days, Mm -hmm. giving to those in need, sharing the Lord's Supper, sharing life. And there is a sense in which churches have kind of a truncated view of of their church ministry. In seminary, they call that ecclesiology. But the Mm -hmm. point is, is that uh, we really need to make the church what it intended to be and what it was supposed to be all the time well you couldn't describe my chapter any better in <laughs> in, in that last sentence because uh, you know you read a lot of books today christian books and and otherwise and yet there's so little written about the impact and the influence on a good and godly church on a on a, on a what i would call an acts two kind of church the embryonic b- birth of the church there uh, in the book of Acts. And, and what I cover there in, in that chapter is all the essentials of, of, mm-hmm. of the church, how, how the church is so vital to our spiritual and emotional health, as well as our physical health. There's even studies, I know you're into a lot of studies, there's studies that show that people that pray and people that worship and go to church are physically healthier they are. than those who are not. 
And uh, I'm going to do a message coming up, uh, just going to call it, coming out of this pandemic, uh, Assembly Required. Mm. You, you get, uh, you get uh, uh, these things you put together for your kids or your grandkids, some Assembly Required, Assembly Required. And Assembly is required for Christians. And I, I'm a little concerned coming through uh, this illness period that when churches were shut down and went online that some people think, um, well, I can just watch online. I can I can connect when I want to connect, and we're grateful for technology, and we are, and we saw uh, our technology and our online campus just expand. But there's no substitute for face to face, heart to heart, life to life, teaching, preaching, singing, worshiping, sharing, serving, uh, ministering to one another. And I'm just concerned. One of the problems, the mental health problems, we've been talking about. Uh, in, in the past year or so has been just the loneliness and mm-hmm. isolation. And, loneliness, and, yeah. and, and yeah, there's a book you've written on it. So the separation, the isolation, and people uh, sad and, and separated from family. I mean, I'm people hadn't seen their grandparents, their parents in a Isn't year. It amazing? And it's yeah. just really, really sad, and people are sad right now. And, and this is where the church should, should step up. And, you know, we opened up, we shut down voluntarily uh, for about nine weeks back uh, in the spring of 2020. But we opened up uh, the end of May, so just about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And it it just slowly, gradually, we've seen people coming back as people are getting healthier, as the country's getting healthier. And it's just so important. And I, I talk about that in the book and that you you shouldn't, I mean, Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. And so what is the church to be? Uh, those That's all talked about in, in what we do when we come to church and when we go and be the church. Yes. Well, I've had a chance over the last couple of months to travel to some of the radio stations from Alaska all the way down to Georgia. But I'll have to tell you, uh, Pastor Graham, there are some places where we broadcast in California and Illinois, New York, where it's still pretty much closed down. And there are some consequences to that. So, again, this book is probably going to be very helpful for people struggling with that. But I want to move on because one of the middle sections I really enjoyed, the swaps that support reignition, and that is exchanging mm-hmm. doubt for faith. Now, you know enough about this program that we spend a fair amount of time talking about a Christian worldview and even helping people deal with how to defend a Christian worldview. And I've said before, even in my own Sunday school class and other churches where I've spoken, that uh, doubt is inevitable. And uh, you can get doubt from a secular culture. You can get doubt from a medical diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things you are recommending is that when you have doubt, trade doubt for faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well... Uh, doubt is faith acting up, I say. Uh, it's, it's been described as uh, that warning light that pops up on the dashboard mm-hmm. of your car. Uh, doubt is an indicator that you need to check under the hood, uh, that something is wrong. And we all doubt. And if you say, I, I've never doubted, then I, I, I doubt you have faith. Because <laughs> faith is, is in itself, is right. while it is evidence, while it is things unseen, uh, when, they're, when the days are dark and when God may hide his face, as the psalmist or the hymnal uh, says, uh, when, when God seems to be absent and you wonder, God, are you there? Do you really care? Those kinds of doubts plague a lot of people. And the only antidote uh, for doubt, I'm not talking about unbelief here. There's a difference in unbelief, sure. and you talk about this. There's a difference in unbelief um, and, and doubt. But when you believe, 
you don't you don't doubt what you don't first believe. And if you believe something and believe it well and you believed it for a long time, sometimes doubt crops up because of circumstances or, as you said, culture, uh, questions, accusations. We're we're facing uh, antagonism in the culture, the mm-hmm. church is. And it's so good what you do, Kirby, uh, in, in equipping uh, Christians to uh, defend their faith and and uh, destabilize their doubts, if you will, and, and have a confident faith. Because God wants us to have a confident faith. Again, it's not always perfect. It's not always, um, uh, you know, overcoming, but it always overcomes our doubts when we trust in God. And when I talk about faith there, I'm talking about trusting in God, believing that what God has said is true. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And again, one of the other ones is exchanging discontentment for gratitude. You give us all sorts of reasons mm-hmm. for faith and for uh, being willing to be gra- gracious and to have gratitude. And yeah, also, gratitude is, and, is uh, Hans Selye, the, the author of the stress studies, uh, is often quoted. He said, uh, gratitude is the healthiest of all human emotions. Mm-hmm. And you think about it. Any toxic, negative thing in our lives or in the way we think, and the battle is always above the neck, the way we think, <laughs> uh, as we think, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Uh, but when we uh, are distressed or disturbed or discontent, it, it, the, when you realize what God has done, when you rehearse and repeat, that's why we're told it so often in the scripture to worship, yeah. to praise, to and, give thanks. And remember. Yeah. And, and remember what God mm-hmm. has done. And I'm just telling you, whether you, you, t- you take any, any negative, toxic, deadly emotion, whether it's fear, anxiety, anger, loneliness, and if you apply uh, gratitude, that's the healing bomb. When we are grateful, it's almost impossible to live in gratitude at the same time, uh, live in fear or faithlessness. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of the results, four good results of uh, going with God. And at the same time, maybe talk a little bit about uh, some of the lessons that uh, Pastor Jack Graham has learned after all these years of ministry. And uh, we'll get into some of that and um, certainly encourage you to find out more about the book and also to the link that we have for his website. And we'll take a break back right after this. Now, back to Point of View, your listener-supported source for truth. Back for a few more minutes with, again, Pastor Jack Graham. The book is entitled Reignite, Fresh Focus for an Enduring Faith. This, first of all, is a book that I think you would certainly benefit from. Some of you that are small group leaders, Bible fellowship leaders, Sunday school teachers, pastors, this is something that you could teach through. But, Pastor Graham, the way you've written this is, in a sense, if you could get your non-Christian to just pop open the first page or two and hear your story, I think they'll be hooked. And so it could be an evangelistic book as well, couldn't it? Yes. And that is the heart of God always for his people, for his church, is to proclaim the gospel. And as I was talking about my life and what I view the Christian life to be and what are we to be doing, and uh, certainly evangelism is at the heart. So there's there's a chapter in the end mm-hmm. about sharing our faith and evangelism and how to do that effectively. Uh, but, yes, this is uh, 
I wouldn't call this a crossover book. It's certainly written with a lot of Bible and yeah, sure. And and but it does cross over in the sense that everyone can relate to pain and struggle. And if a pastor uh, can can go through something like this, uh, any, certainly you can, we can. Uh, the reignite title. It really comes from the idea, I preached this on Easter, when those two disciples were despondent, defeated after the resurrection, walking to Emmaus about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. They're walking uh, together. We don't even know. One's name is Cleopas. The other's unnamed. Some people even think it might have been a couple, could have been a married couple. They end up at the same house in Emmaus. But a stranger joins them, and their eyes are they're clouded some way. They cannot spiritually know who Jesus is, but it's the risen Christ. He walks with them. He talks with them, and he opens the scriptures, it says, and showed them, because they were so confused as to why the Messiah was dead. Why is Jesus gone? Maybe he's never coming back. We've heard reports. Talk about the doubts we were talking mm-hmm. about. We've heard reports these, you know, that maybe he's alive. He said he was coming back. It, did he come back? And they're just trying to figure all this out. And Jesus says, I mean, you're, you're foolish and slow to believe. And he begins with Moses and the prophets. Well, that's the Old Testament. Yes. And shows them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself, all those pictures and portraits and and prophecies of Christ in the Bible. And what a walk that must have been. They're walking with the word, the living mm-hmm. word, uh, in the word of God. And he's just teaching them all the way. And when they get to uh, their their home, Jesus indicated he was going to go and leave them. And they said, no, 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 no. Wait, wait more. Tell us more. Uh, and I say, look, Jesus only goes where he's welcomed and invited. And that's evangelism 101, isn't yes. it? We invite people to Christ. He won't burst into your heart or your life or break down the door. He he stands at the door and knocks, and we open the door. And uh, But th- then they realize who it is. They, they realized it was Jesus in the breaking of the bread. Mm-hmm. So interesting phrase there. He broke the bread. How did they know? Was it the way he prayed and bled? He said that he prayed, and then he broke the bread. Was it his prayer? Was it the way he broke bread and passed it out? Was it the nail prints in his hands when mm-hmm. he broke the bread, which is what I think? But that's when they realized this is Jesus, and then Jesus is gone. And then they said, did not our hearts burn mm-hmm. within us when we walked with him in the way? And so reignite is is that story. It's the story of, of two disciples or you, anyone listening who may be discouraged or despondent, wondering if there's hope. Is there any hope? Can I get through? It's learning how to walk with Jesus, open his word, find in him the risen Christ, uh, power to live again, the power of the resurrection, and not just to ignite but to reignite. And so if, if someone, there, your your heart is burning low, you're lacking passion, you're lacking strength to keep going, uh, I think this book might be something you would uh, find encouraging. I think so. Reignite also for those who are believers, because in some respects you should reignite your faith to make a difference. And That's right. I'm talking to the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention. You've looked at the numbers I have yeah. as well. Just did a survey through Pro Ministries, but let's go to the Lifeway surveys. A lot of people say that they believe the Bible, but when it comes time to going out and sharing their faith, we have a lot more to do, and we need to have people reignite to share the good news with a needy culture that uh, needs the gospel more than ever before, don't you think? Acts one eight, uh, Jesus said, uh, you know, called the, and commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then he said, uh, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, uh, you will be my witnesses. So it starts 
with Christians yielding and giving their lives to the Spirit of God within us. And when we are ignited, revived, restored, all those reefs, mm-hmm. uh, revive to live again, reignite, to fire up again, uh, we need this passion. And what we're seeing in churches, not just Southern Baptist churches, but many churches today, is a lack of fire and and the bold, courageous proclamation. And, you know, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. And salt is meant to be shaken. Uh, it's not for the shaker is for what you shake it on. And often our churches are becoming huge salt shakers, and we're salting the salt. Mm-hmm. And we're not salting uh, the world with the gospel and the light of the world. I um, I believe that God has made us the light of the world. He, Jesus said that. And the way we overcome this darkness in the world is Romans twelve twenty one: overcome evil with good right. and light with uh, darkness with light. And again, you can find out a little bit more. Matter of fact, Scott Turner spoke on that yesterday at church. But yes, if people did. say, I would like to hear Pastor Graham, and you know, I have, of course, the privilege of sitting under your teaching, and most of what I am as a Christian is due to you, so thank you. Well, but if people find themselves saying, well, where can I listen to Pastor Graham? We have a link to PowerPoint Ministries. You are coming up here on an anniversary that you've had that uh, I think is pretty significant. And I've been in other parts of the world where people have said, Jack Graham, oh, I hear him, mm-hmm. or either on radio or television so this has been an incredible explosion of the ministry hasn't it 32 years uh this coming uh sunday lord's day and we could have never imagined all that god has done and truly to god be the glory great things he has done i've been along for the ride uh and god has used us and you know i i say you know also deb my wife we she has partnered with me and in the calling, and this calling in particular at Prestonwood, it's a great, great church. And some people say, well, I, it's a big church. Some people say, I wouldn't like a big church. Yes, you would if it has a big heart. And, you know, there's a reason churches are big or, you know, sometimes small, you know, small or big, it doesn't matter. What matters is the heart and the life of the church. And the reason that Prestonwood is so influential is because of the great people in this church who are effectively carrying the gospel to their neighbors and now to the nations. Yes. Well, again, if you've been watching online, of course, seeing Jack Graham, but also when we do the wide shots, you can see some of his books, Unseen, a book I highly recommend. Also, his one on angels. Mentioned Deb Graham. You and Deb wrote the book, Courageous Parenting. I got Are We Fit for Life, culture-wise. I just grabbed a few of the many Jack Graham books that are sitting on the shelf here. And if you find yourself saying, well, I'd like to know more about him, we have some links here. One to jackgram.org. Presta Wood, one to PowerPoint. You can find it all there. And uh, I think if you would like to connect with him, hear some of those messages and use this in your own teaching, this is certainly a book I would recommend. So, again, Reignite, Fresh Focus for an Enduring Faith, published by our good friends at Bethany House. About 200 pages, 11 chapters, three sections. We did a pretty good job of covering it. And, Jack Graham, it's great to have you in studio. Well, it's great to be your pastor and your friend. And I'm honored that uh, you would have me truly you uh you are a standout for uh the light of the gospel and uh here you are just daily and writing these booklets and pamphlets and and helping us i i was just asking kirby earlier i've got a topic i'm going to deal with coming up in the summer and i was asking him give me your stuff on that topic i need to know more and uh pretty good file it'll be coming very quickly uh, this uh, good friendship and a good fellowship 
uh, Kirby, and I, I'm grateful for that. Well, I'm grateful for you as well. Tomorrow, George Byrne will be with us. We'll talk about some of those surveys, but we are simply out of time. I want to thank Andrew for his help behind the scenes in engineering, for Steve as the producer, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow right here on Point of View.